Madman Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Madman on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering season six, episode eight, entitled The Crash. Why is it entitled The Crash? Could it be because Ken had a nasty accident? Could it be because. Could it be. Yeah, starting to mispronunciation early. All right. Uh, could it be because Don's ass crashed on his pad? It definitely could be either of those. Uh, good to play the name game up front. What would you think of this episode? Loved it. Loved it. I, okay, there's a lot of mixed reviews out there. They're not sure what I, to make I, of it. I get it. I get that. I think they're uh, weak-minded, <laughs> unsophisticated hilljacks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Way to call out, like, every internet reviewer. <laughs> and probably half our fan base. <laughs> um, hmm. I don't know. I'm struggling to re- figure out a reason why not to give it a 10. So, so yeah, I mean, because it felt really disjointed, and I, I, so I'm gonna give it like, eh, I'll go an eight on this one. I wasn't totally blown away because of just how trippy it was, and it, it just it felt like a lot of stuff was done just for the sake of kind of being weird, like that tap dance with Ken. I don't know what that was about. Well, I mean, I, I'm something of an experience whore, so I like okay. the experience new things, and I don't think I've ever experienced an hour of television quite like this. Yeah. And this was a very funny episode of Mad Men, mm-hmm. and as I mentioned on the Facebook, I'm usually the one to like bang the tonal conflict and tonal clashing <laughs> drum. Yeah. But I thought that all of the humor in this episode had a hard edge to it. Like... Mm-hmm. You know, there was an intensity and a rawness to that <laughs> tap dancing, and like you know, yeah, almost almost Don was afraid of like what was going to happen, and with with Stan and Exacto knives, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's kind of like I feel like we as the viewer were Kenny in the car being driven <laughs> down a road by fucking lunatic madmen. Yes, and that was Wiener and Company for this episode. Yeah, and I, I loved it. it. I fucking loved it. All right, uh, it did a lot to explain what is going on with Don. Obviously, well, um, yes, in a, in a very obvious way. I mean, this was, there was nothing subtle about that part of this episode. No, um, but at the same time, it's something that needed to happen, right? I mean, through the season, we've seen a lot of those tones kind of building and those those ideas kind of spreading throughout but we needed something more concrete i think and this was certainly it yeah so i give it a lot of points on that regard i mean i i feel like there's not much left to decipher uh the dick whitman don draper puzzle yeah um, that said i do like kind of getting the fuller picture i mean a lot of this was stuff mm-hmm. we probably didn't need to see but i you know, enjoy tracking that. And I also thought that there's a lot of clues here about maybe where Don is going to go in the future. Yeah, and that's really the thing. Like you said, there's not a lot that we feel is left to unravel about Don um, after this episode. But 
at the same time, we want to see what he's going to do now that now that hopefully maybe he's had some sort of realization himself. You know, absolutely. So, all right, uh, that's plenty up front. Let's get into the feed or into the recap. We start out with, as we mentioned, Ken's scene where he's in the the Chevy Impala, and he's on the ride of his life. Uh, These guys are maybe the last one, (laughs) (laughs) pretty close to it. Uh, They obviously crashed. I mean, he screwed up his leg, he screwed up his face. Uh, These guys are lunatics, and we find out later that these are the Chevy guys. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I was at first. I was like, "Who the hell is he in the oh, car with?" I knew exactly who it was <laughs> oh, as soon as did. they're talking about the Impala and oh my god, they uh, got the revolver right by his head. Uh, yeah, if he had fired that thing. Well, I think that that's. News. I think that that was basically a callback. When Ken later mentions that they're going to fire a gun by my head, I feel like that they were poking fun, like they had done that earlier in the day. Oh, and they're gotcha. threatening to do it again, Jeez. and he was just like, "That this seems like it's torment unending." Yeah. And they want him up there all the time, so no doubt they, they oh, can do it again. As they said, he's their favorite toy. Yep. He just they just want to play with him. Uh, so then we go over to Don, who's standing outside of Sylvia's door, smoking, and he he's listening in, and he just takes off and leaves his cigarette butts on the did ground. You, did you notice uh, Sylvia offer her husband veal and cold past? Cold past? Is that pasta? Past? She calls it past? Yeah. I feel okay. like when so, every once in a while I'll have a brain uh, aneurysm and I'll I'll say a podcast. Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend makes fun of me all the time because I'll be like, uh, "Yeah, it's time for me to do the podcast," and it's like <laughs> it's like a out of nowhere a Boston accent seizes me. Sure. Well, that happens to us all from time to time. <laughs> yeah, she just like had an aneurysm and dropped the a off pasta. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm pretty used to that. I mean. Me mispronouncing <laughs> words do tell. Yeah, definitely that. But also, <laughs> um, my dad's from New York. So, oh my god! Your so dad. I mean, if if he were to say pasta, it'd be pasta. You know, <laughs> so it's like this pasta is an impasta. <laughs> I can't tell what you're saying, Dad. Uh, anyway, so he's obviously obsessed with Sylvia. It's it's pretty apparent at this point. Dangerously so. Yes, to the point where he's going to get them caught. Oh, so and, reckless. And we'll see the call out here. I don't know. I, I I feel like maybe they're done. They're donezo. Yes. Yeah. I was talking about at this point. Like, mm. um, anyway, let's let's go to the next scene. Jim, Roger, Don, and Teddy are all waiting for news from Ken. Uh, he's coming back from Chevy. And he shows up and he tells them that they didn't like the latest ads. And Don's kind of angry about that. And he gets even angrier when Ken unleashes the Chevy advertising calendar on him. Uh, and it's booked. It's booked solid for years. Three years of monthly deadlines. Yeah. That's a three-year death march. Pretty much. I heard. Yeah. And they, there's suggestions that they hire more people to get uh, to free up some of the time to stop working overtime, basically. I mean, they've obviously been working weekends, uh, week in and week out. They've given them six, seven pitches in six weeks. Yeah. Like, how can you maintain that output? I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you just without get hopped your, up on a little, without Dr. Feelgood around. Or that your face looking like a bag of walnuts. Ooh, like Ted? Which reminds me, that's my like my go-to uh, expression for someone's wrinkly face is a a hat full of buttholes. Okay. Uh, now yeah. I got ba- I got to add a bag of walnuts to my arsenal. All right. I prefer bag of assholes, but Oh, that's, nice that's, nice remix. Yeah, there you go. Uh, anyway, Ted gets a call, um, and we find out later that it's 
uh, that Frank's not doing well. Yeah, why uh, did they make it so cryptic? When it's like it's Nan, it's about that matter. Like this is something they're all into, right? You would think so. Yeah. Why do you have to be so cryptic about it? It's about it's about Frank. Uh, Frankie dying. I, I mean, Ted obviously cares more than anybody else. True, but you're right. I don't know why they couldn't say well, we got a call. Frank's dying. Uh, but they didn't. Uh, Don gets a call too. His is uh, just as bad, actually, for him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jim decides that he's going to make a call mm-hmm. to Doctor Feelgood. Uh, Ted, you're right. He's he looks terrible in this right. scene. I can't believe how hard he's taking this. Um, I thought we'll get to it later a little bit. But Don's the one that made the uh, face look like a bag of walnuts. Comment there, though, because honestly, oh, this, is about, this is about this is as this episode is about as bad as Don Draper gets to looking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, maybe in his throes of season four, you know, when when he the last time he started <laughs> okay. like losing track of entire days, he maybe looked a little rougher. But uh-huh. uh huh. You know, he's not looking rough. Dawn, Dawn is back. Yeah, no. Where comment. was she? No comment at all. She's I, just back. I don't know. Is is the wiener just fucking with us or what? I don't. I don't know, man. But it was weird that she's just back and they didn't say anything. Well, and I thought, you know, it's 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 later on in the episode. Don goes to find out where she's at, and of course we come to appreciate he just lost an entire day. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was also maybe a little commentary on the viewer's expectation, like where the hell is Don? <laughs> yeah. And she just comes and goes with no apparent explanation. They hmm. conspicuously mention her absence, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, we go to the next scene. <clears throat> Excuse me. Don takes his call in the office, uh, in his office, actually. Uh, and it's Sylvia, not Dr. Arnold. Yeah. Or, <laughs> Dr. Arnold. <laughs> Dr. Rosen. Um, she's calling him to basically just to show him what it feels like to think that you're about to get caught or that mm-hmm. you've been found out. Mm-hmm. And also to tell him to knock it the hell off. Mm-hmm. Um, they have that conversation, which I thought was... At this point in the episode, I was like, oh, man, this episode is going to be good. And no doubt it was. It just wasn't good in the way that I thought it was going to be. All right. It turned into something entirely different pretty soon after <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, But uh, that phone call was really, really riveting for me. Uh, when she hangs up, Don starts coughing, and there's a quick flashback to him in the whorehouse. And uh, he's he's sick as as young Don Draper, and he gets sent to the cellar. You're sick, you go to the cellar. Yeah, that's stepmom. Sleep in the cellar. Stepmom's brutal. Oh, no kidding. I thought sure that that coughing fit was going to end up in blood the first time I saw it. Yes, me too. I'm like, oh, here, here comes the bloody rag. Yep, here comes this the bloody is the downfall done. Bloody hanky. Uh, there was, however, a mention of murder during the phone call. That uh, Doctor Rosen's going to murder both of them. I always find those ominous in mm. Mad Men. Because you never know. There are guns floating around. There sure is. There are lots of allusions to death, especially this season. Oh, it's everywhere. Oh, my God. What? You know, sh- fuck this. I'm tired of this podcast. I ain't do it no more. <laughs> what? I just wanted you to see what that would feel like. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> All right. So that was payback for the... Uh, the classic Lost Experiment episode? <laughs> Lost episode. Yes, it was. The Jonestown Experiment, yeah. Paid you back in, in common coin. I, I was really confused for a second. 
Dr. Rosen? What? Uh, so the Draper kids are over at the Francis house. They're packing their stuff up, uh, apparently to head over to Don's place. And Betty comes in and calls her daughter a whore. Yeah, she does. <laughs> right? Some really great mothering here from <laughs> Betty. Where'd you get that skirt? On the street corner. Well, did you notice that Betty's back in full effect? She's got the Grace Kelly thing going on. She's dropped, I don't know how many pounds. Yeah. How how long of a period is it between the last episode and this one? Uh, Like days. Days. Okay. But we haven't seen her in a good... So she looked into that mirror and she said, oh, I'm getting back. I'm we back haven't seen her game. since the um, the Martin Luther King death, right? Uh, you're probably right. So it's been three months approximately? So Ooh, he, maybe. No, so April 4th, uh, May 4th, June. It's only been two months. Yeah. Holy shit, that's a lot of weight loss in two months. Yeah, that was also the crash. Her weight just crashed down. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed when I was reading, I didn't actually put two and two together on that, but hmm. in a lot of reviews I was reading, people were speculating. Uh, whether she was using amphetamines to lose weight. <laughs> she might be. Because I guess that was, you know, apparently if amphetamine use was just rampant all throughout the uh, late 60s. Yeah, I actually did. So this doctor is clearly based on the real Dr. Feelgood, right? Which is, well, I mean, there were several. But the most famous one that I found it, was Max Jacobson. Yes, yeah. And I, I was reading a little bit about him, and... Apparently, he was shooting up everybody, including, like, JFK. Yep. During debates, before speeches. Like, I don't know how the guy functioned on amphetamines in in any kind of respectable manner yeah. during a debate. Well, he must have been, like, worked up. Because I, what I've heard about JFK is he was in constant pain yeah, yeah, because of back and because of some other rare, I forget what the disease was, but he was on... Uppers and painkillers all the time, so his tolerance was probably vast. Yeah, like to the point where maybe he needed that just to be normal. Allergies too, man. The allergies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's that's half a joke and half not. Uh, but yeah, you're right about that. I was I was reading that. Did you notice that like um, his his concoction, his miracle tissue regenerator consisted of amphetamines, vitamins, painkillers, and human placenta. Yeah, that's messed up. <laughs> Wow. Whatever. And uh, steroids, too, right? I didn't see that. I was just, that's, okay. I stopped at placenta, I guess. <laughs> yeah. He had me at placenta. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. Uh, so Don comes into Don's office and wakes him up, and he finds out that, oh my God, I've been asleep for two and a half hours. I didn't realize it. Uh, he exits his office, and he finds out Frank Gleason is dead. Mm hmm. So sad. Ted's certainly broken up about it. Uh, Jim tells Don that it's time to see the doctor, and they head upstairs. Yep. Uh, yeah, so this is where I... This is not actually where I noticed that Ted was looking terrible. It was the scene before when they are in the conference room, but, man, he looks terrible. He took, uh, he took it very down. hard. Yeah, very hard. Um, and the, the, the line, he was a piece that cannot be replaced, uh, I feel like that was both for the company and for himself. I mean, he. I guess he said as much last episode. Uh, talking to Peggy. Um, but we can move on. Don goes in to see the doctor who shoots him full of vitamins <laughs> after asking if he has a heart problem. It reminds me of like the energy shots today, which God love him. 
Uh, that's what get me through these uh, long two podcast Jeez. nights. Aaron's on amphetamines during these casts. No, but seriously, it's like, oh, it's got a proprietary blend of B vitamins. And you look, it's got like 26,000% of your daily allotment uh, uh, yeah. of different B vitamins and complexes. and But then it's always caffeine. Yeah, yeah. That's the shit that makes the go juice work. Yeah, it's never B vitamins. No, the mild stimulant, it's the speed you're injecting in the man's ass that's giving him the 24 <laughs> to 72 hours of focus, creative energy, and confidence. Yeah. Uh, I'm guilty of making the same bad joke that Dr. Feelgood made in this scene. Yeah, how low did you feel? SCDP, CGC. Scud Pugabic. Yeah, I felt pretty bad about that. They do need to come up with a fucking name. They do. I, I want to know what they're going to name this thing. Uh, Plus, we're one partner down. We're down to SCDPCG, right? We're two partners down. There's we're no CC. price anymore either. Oh, you're right. So we're SCDGC at this point. Well, wait, wait was, what was Frank's Oh, Gleason. So we're yeah, SCDCC? Yeah. So we're SC cubed D. Yeah. G. No, there's no G. Oh, no, you're right. You're S. G's dead. SDC cubed. <laughs> SDC3. There you go. Perfect name. I'm sure that'll. I'm sure it'll come out next episode. That that's what it, they named it. <laughs> Sounds like a human cyborg relations protocol droid. <laughs> uh, so the doc finishes up with Don, and he sends him out. And Jim and Stan are racing around like lunatics. <laughs> uh, surprisingly spry for his age, Jim is. Well, when you shoot him full of speed, <laughs> yeah. I, do I love... noticed that when he was going up the stairs earlier yeah. in the episode, too. But that was before his speed. Yeah, but I feel like this guy is seeing him on the reg, right? Probably, yeah. And I also he love Roger. He comes in and like, I have a heart condition. Eh, don't worry about it. Right? And then right? St- and then Stan wants to arm wrestle one of the torpedo, you know, the uh, anonymous nerdy copywriters. Uh-huh. Stan's just a beast this episode. <laughs> yeah, he is. In more ways than one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Roger's next up. He says he's got the heart problem, though. No big deal. Uh, Don goes downstairs, and he sees Peggy comforting Ted and starts coughing again. He has a psychotic break. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, there's a flashback of Don being taken care of by, is her name Emmy or Amy? Uh, it's, um, it's, well, her name's Amy. I'm, I'm, but okay, she, I'm calling her Amy. She has, she takes to an effect of calling herself, uh, Amé, M- 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 I believe. With X's and... It's, and... Yeah, it's A-I-M-E-E apostrophe, or accent mark. Did you know that that means beloved in French? No. Well, now you do. I bet Megan would have known that. Did you know that she has pillowy, welcoming bosoms? <laughs> I've, I've noticed that. I picked up on that. And a fake beauty mark. Yes. Something that she has in common with um, both... Uh, Sylvia and Betty. Well, I don't know about the fake part, but the beauty mark for sure. Oh, okay. I was going to say, how do you know Sylvia's beauty mark is fake? Mm. Uh, beauty mark. They're moles, right? I, I mean... Just call them what they are, man. Beauty mark. <laughs> uh, the only difference between beauty mark and warthog is your level of physical attractiveness and fitness, <laughs> apparently. Apparently. Uh, so Don asks about the picture. Young Don asks about the picture. The name he's got in her mirror. Uh, probably her son. Right? Uh, Illegitimate or otherwise. I don't yeah, know. that's what that's what you're taking to understand. Yeah. 
That's what I thought. Um, th- this is kind of an interesting cut here between this flash between Peggy comforting Ted and this flashback because I feel like what we learn about the caring prostitute later on and Don's history and his how he relates that to his everyday life now feels a lot like the way Peggy is caring for Ted here. Well, so I, going back to in the Inferno, yeah, we know the character of Beatrice um, is the one that kind of you know leads Dante into paradise, or um, and I wonder that if she doesn't have this triune aspect in this episode because we've got Sylvia who mentions Megan and you used to love her, and he's, she's trying to get through to Don and get him to go back on a straight and narrow path. Mm-hmm. We've got the. Uh, Ame or Amy, uh, who you know cares for Don's needs, but you know also is kind of predatory and takes advantage of him. And then you also got Peggy. Like all three are taking care of different aspects of him. Yeah, and I wonder if they're all three trying to point, like like a, a puzzle piece that Don needs to figure out how to hell to get out of his personal limbo. Slash hell. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Um, and I'm also back on... I'm also shipping Don and Peggy hard. I'm back to that. I'm back to that bandwagon. Yeah, so that was kind of what I took away from this Don cut to flashback, is that Peggy is the caring prostitute that Don needs. Well, I don't... I think he's she's the caring maternal... Like, his... Yeah. His other... But but what why I'm saying caring prostitute is because that's where this all originated for Don, right? Yeah, but nobody, I mean, Don was jealous, right? Jealous of? Of, of Ted, Ted and, and yeah. the, the, the care and comfort that she was giving him. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and that's, uh, I, I'll leave this for feedback. Um, but there's, there's a reason why I think this all ties back to Megan and Don's relationship in a meaningful way, but we'll save it. Right on. Um... Don asked, Did you think yeah. that the way that you're speaking interesting cut, he did this thing where he started to fall forward and it was really just him gaining momentum, got in the stairs, but I thought yeah. he was going to collapse. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the first kind of like time, you know, that the episode got trippy because you had the audible hallucinations mm-hmm. um, and then him looking like it's going to collapse, but then just, you know, resuming as if nothing had happened, um, kind of playing with, did I just see that? Yeah. Yeah, this is the moment where the episode kind of took that turn for me. Sure, sure. Um, uh, but we we go back to uh, Don, and he asks Ted's secretary if they know each other. And it's clear that the vitamins are taking effect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why does he ask her this? Is it because I, it gives a very close zoom in on her lips here with the lipstick? and uh, Yeah, I think we're supposed to draw something in common with Amy and her yeah the kind of they both have this kind of like you know zoftic earth mother type look to them and (laughs) it's something one is just wearing a slight slightly less cleavage displaying (laughs) garment wow so much cleavage like just when just when you think it can't get deeper yeah leans over i don't think she has any nipples (laughs) it's just too much cleavage. cleavage yeah 
There's no room for nipple there. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, the creative team is brainstorming terrible ideas for Chevy. Yeah. Uh, horrible ideas. Ginsburg's the only one who isn't hopped up on uh, vitamins. Unfortunately, that causes him to destroy Stan's train of thought. Um, and Stan gets kind of angry about that. Yeah, uh, I like seeing Ginsburg. in my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like seeing Ginsburg with all, as he calls them, lunatics. Well, I mean, so... Ginsburg's kind of like a straight edger, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. Dating back to last season, and and we also found he's a virgin. Yeah, so he really he was like straight edge before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, he's like uh, a hipster mirror faced up to another hipster mirror. <laughs> Infinite recursion <laughs> of hipster. Oh boy. Um, what do you think about Pete calling somebody on poor taste? Oh right, yeah, I find that in poor taste. Right. Mm-hmm. I find you in poor taste, sir. Mm-hmm. Entire uh, th- lifestyle. <laughs> Everything that is there, I just don't like. Yeah. I mean, the man took advantage of his, his mom's <sighs> dementia last episode, and now he's calling somebody out on a person he doesn't even know. <laughs> For all we know, Frank could have been a son of a bitch. Yeah. Maybe so. Uh, what did you make of Stan telling Peggy that her idea was spectacular? And her kind of giving them the stink eye. Um, is this is this the hint that we were supposed to pick up to explain what happened later on? I don't think so. I think that she so she she uh, said the child is the father of the man, which, which is, is very important. Yeah, we need to a, talk it's, about it's that. It's a reference to this album. So it's a it's a multi phased reference. It's a reference to the mm-hmm. album by Blood, Sweat, and Tears released in 1968. That was a hit at the time. It's also a quotation from a poem by Gerald Hopkins, which is in turn a slight misquote of the poem by William Wordsworth called My Heart Leaps Up. Yeah. And I feel like in his drug-addled state, she was just kind of – because did you also notice that she was not taking notes on any of this? <laughs> she – I noticed her start to write a couple things, but then stop and not. No, write she was them. just kind of like, because when she handed Ginsburg the pen, he went to go write, and then he noticed that it wasn't even clicked, <laughs> and then he actually clicked. <laughs> so it's like she was just sitting there. I didn't just, catch that. Yeah, so I think she was just being kind of ironic and amusing herself by they were going on this father son, you know, rift that meant nothing. Yeah, and she was just throwing out some other kind of like okay. empty headed vacuous reference to a pop culture thing and. Yeah, Stan was like, "That's spectacular," <laughs> just because he's yeah. in an altered state. Well, the, the interesting thing is that line explains everything that has gone on with Don. I mean, that is Don summed up, right? We're seeing his childhood here, and what he experienced as a child has made him the man that he is. That's true. So it's it's in my opinion, it's the heart of this episode as far as Don's storyline is concerned. Mm. That's pretty deep. Uh, and That's it's just, spectacular. And it's just kind of, <laughs> uh-huh. I'll, I'll, I'll write that down. <laughs> uh, so Don's frantically searching through some old agency campaigns when Ken shows up to ask if he'll have a new campaign for Chevy on Monday and to deliver one of the craziest scenes in Mad Men history. Mm-hmm. This was phenomenal. It was spectacular. I couldn't believe what I was seeing while I was seeing it. Plus, it's... it. I mean, Don, I feel like we really start to see the artifice behind the personality that's Don Draper. He's speaking Mm. as like he can't tell the difference between his pitches and himself anymore. 
Because he's sitting there, it's like, you know, the timber of my voice is as important as the pitch. I, I don't know whether to be forceful or submissive. You know, it's like, that's his life in a yeah. little microcosm, right? But why? Why the tap dance? Because they were on speed, man. No, I, okay. I understand that. Was it saying anything about Ken as a person? Well, I think it, you know, number one or was... was it just there for comedy relief? Number one, it was something he started to do... I don't know. Some of this is comedy relief. He he started to do it to demonstrate that his leg feels fine. Yes. Yeah. And then he, like, was kept on doing it because he didn't even remember. But then he also started riffing on how I'm your favorite toy. So this is kind of like a Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. Like a marionette sort of Style dance that, you know, he's like the puppet. And, you know, and then Don was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. He was was mesmerized by it. Yeah. As as were we all, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. I was I was shocked. Uh, so we go back to over to the creative. Uh, did you think that there was huddle. a? Did yeah. you think that there was? I thought there was also something to this theme about you know your your bullshit about the child is a no. Actually, that's a really insightful point. <laughs> the your bullshit. When he said, "Where did you get this from?" and he said, "Snapped my mother." No, my first girlfriend. Do you think that oh. was is illuminating kind of Don situation too? Like, how did you get this way? Well, it was my mother? Oh, it was my stepmom? No, it was the whore that took advantage of me? No, it was my. Fr- I mean, like, yeah, like he. I don't think he fully is aware of all this stuff. Well, especially since he made the point to say that's not my mother. Yeah, uh, when Amy asked him about it, you know. Yeah. So I okay, I like that. I like that. Uh, a lot of stuff going on there. I just I was mesmerized by and as by if it as, as much if as the Don. episode wasn't trippy enough, we fit in an Alice in Wonderland reference. Yeah, we go back over to the creative team <laughs> who is still brainstorming when Don sprints by. <laughs> Don, what is he chasing? Funniest scene, <laughs> one of the funniest scenes in Mad Men history, right? And he stops in the doorway and he delivers <laughs> what I can only call an intensely motivational speech. How's it going? <laughs> Uh, but right before he rushes off and has another flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the Alice in Wonderland reference, was that just there to convey how crazy everything was? Or was there meaning behind that? Because, honestly, I don't know uh, much about Alice in Wonderland. I don't know. I was, I was wondering if there was – if this was – a reference to the emphasis on mouths because you know the Cheshire cat disappears except for its smile, right? Okay, and then it kind of fades away, and then Don's extreme close up on that uh, the secretary's mouth and the emphasis on the beauty marks. I, was, I wonder if there was that's just kind of like something thematic, and the fact it was trippy. Hmm. I just feel like at at some point Matthew Weiner and company were just throwing shit on the wall, and like you know, you want to analyze it, analyze this, you know. <laughs> Try yeah. to make sense of this. Yeah. And I don't know how much there is actually there. Because as you pointed out, this is a pretty straightforward hit you on the head episode. This yeah. fucking place is a whorehouse. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't get that, Don made sure to give it to you as the, the last line of the episode. <laughs> but I think he puts all these layers to kind of, I don't know, to amuse himself, to reinforce the theme. Yeah, it's probably a little both. I'd and imagine. the other thing is, you know, the what he says, like, you know, which which way do you want to go? Well, do you know where you're going? Well, if you don't know where it's going, it doesn't matter which way you go. Yeah, I kind of like that. That's another 
you know that and then then if if you if the parallel wasn't obvious enough you had don sprinting around the office not even knowing kind of almost like he was running from himself and also lost yeah On, and then, then when he finally comes to the right door it's like he's genuinely surprised or takes him by surprise <laughs> so is yeah because i guess he was looking for creative right he had yeah. come up with an idea and he was sprinting off well, to find peggy and also ken was sprinting he was oh, the was first... Ken in front of him? Yeah. Okay. So it's like, and then Don went past the door <laughs> and whopped away to the other side of the office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He came all the way around creative. Ran, yeah. Ran around the bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Uh, so in the flashback that happens there, uh, young Don is being spoon fed by uh, some soup by Amy the whore. Uh, not much to talk about there, I guess. Other than this could be the very first time anyone's ever taken care of this boy. Yeah, yeah. I, Which I mean, is, this, I mean I, it always makes me sad when you hear about kids that, you know, don't have, weren't loved as, as kids or were abused. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to make too many excuses for Don, but how fucked up must that make you? If you're a child, I mean, how do you contextualize the abuse and the, the mental torment? Yeah. I mean, how do you do it? Like, I... Oh, it makes me really sad thinking about it. Well, get even sadder because... Uh, I mean, this episode certainly has uh, problems written all over the Draper children's future, right? Yeah. I mean, they are not normal kids. They are growing up in the same neglected environment that their parents did mm-hmm. i mean that that stuff is being paid forward to those kids right so that's that's really <laughs> that's some rough justice yeah uh when don comes back from the flashback he's hit with an idea and goes back to creative um they're having their but, fortunes told but how long was he standing in that fucking hallway what hallway the the like he was he he was the last we saw him he was having he went in this fugue state and was having a flashback and it was early Friday evening when he comes to and says yeah. I've got it and walks into the office it doesn't seem like any times elapsed to us uh-huh. but it's the next morning it's Saturday morning yeah. or Saturday even maybe even early afternoon yeah what the hell <laughs> I don't know man was he literally standing there the whole time I don't think so I think he's just not remembering all right they're not giving us pieces of his his time i mean because that's that's essentially what happens when he goes um into his office and wendy is waiting for him there right yes to, to watch the sunset yeah, we we actually as a viewer lost several hours there so yeah yeah uh but that doesn't happen yet first he has to meet wendy and he goes into creative to do that uh she tries to read his fortune as she's read the other's fortunes mm-hmm and Don tells Peggy that he needs to find the work for an account about soup. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't end up being about soup. <laughs> it's about oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Similar, but... What did you think about uh, Stan saying he's got 666 <laughs> ideas? Uh, we have some feedback about that, I guess. Um, Do we? Because, like... About Dante's Inferno. And, well, yeah. obviously. And then last year we had... The 666 address floating above Don's head before he stepped into the bottomless elevator. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what it means, but, you know, I think Stan, Stan just got a kick out of the, the counterculture perversity of it. But yeah, clearly it means something. Unless the wieners is fucking with us, which is always a possibility. Yeah, that's always possible. 
Uh, I don't. I don't know exactly what it means, but I'm sure it ties into the Inferno. Uh, Don goes to his office, and Wendy's waiting for him there so that they can watch the sunset. We've obviously lost some time here. Uh, she says she's there to make Don feel better and listens to his heart with her, te- her stethoscope. Great scene. And it's broken. But what's broken? Oh, the stethoscope. Not your heart, Don. But it really is. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when he says, you can tell that? Yeah. It's a really great scene. Yeah, this was a great scene overall. I mean, it, it worked on so many different levels, you know? So apparently speed is the cure for marital infidelity. <laughs> what? what? Oh, because he turns her down? Yeah. Yeah. He had a, I guess, you know, attractive in that kind of hippie, sexually open way that women sometimes have about them. <laughs> okay. Like, she's kind of mousy girl next door, but you can just yeah. tell she's about she's all about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Sure, sure. You don't know what I mean. Fuck you, Jim. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, yeah, she's still trying to read his future here. Uh, she's throwing those bones or whatever she's rolling. I mean, this was inadvertently revealing about Dick Whitman or Don Draper. He is wondering yeah. if someone actually loves him. Mm-hmm. And he feels like his heart is broken right now. Yeah. Uh, all because of Sylvia. But why? I don't know, because we do have some feedback about that as well. All right. Um, yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there. Uh, so Don calls Megan to tell her that he's not going to make it home to watch the kids. So she has to go, and she decides to leave Sally in charge of the boys, which apparently is not the first time she's done this. No. Um, I mean, Sally had to get that horror skirt somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it's... Yeah, so we talked about how, like, the kids are kind of learning from their parents. The 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 worst of both worlds here. I mean, you're getting the neglect from her family uh, in New York, and then you're getting just general bitchiness from her mother in Francis Castle Francenstein. Yeah. I mean, she is just, she's going to be a rotten adult, isn't she? Hmm. Unless something changes. Yeah, I mean, you can, it's like, she's such a great, well, an awful blend of Betty and Don. Yeah. I and mean, and Megan. I mean, Megan in this scene is shirking her responsibility to watch these kids, right? Well, I mean, yeah. But, okay, it's Don who shirks his responsibility, first sure. of all. He's supposed to be home to watch them. But then Megan decides she's just going to shirk it on to Sally. Sure. And we saw Sally doing the same thing with Bobby about getting the bags when they were at their mother's house. I thought that was just her in mommy mode. As that was her as eldest child oh, in command, okay. kind of uh, like Rachel was hinting at a couple weeks ago. All right. Well, I I read it as like her just taking after Megan and you know not uh, not wanting to do anything. Just let let the kids deal with it. No, actually, that would be after Betty. I it's, think it's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible all around. It, it's heartbreaking to see what these ki- these kids are getting up to. Uh, you know what is not heartbreaking? What is that? The next scene. The William <laughs> Tell oh, reenactment. William Tell slash St. Sebastian. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they reenact <sighs> William Tell in the office. Oh, uh, God. Stan has a picture of an apple above his head. And Ginsburg is 
throwing exacto knives. Yeah, I thought. Why would you start with that? It's it a was, cup full of pencils it, and yes, pins. Yes, because Ginsburg hates Stan, number one. <laughs> and and you have num- to keep in mind in the scene, he's the only one not juiced up. Yes. So he supposedly has his wits about him, well, and he decides, I'm going to throw an exacto knife. Yeah, and then when he pe- tags the guy in his arm, he's like, who's next? That was fun. <laughs> um, I just can't believe it because like, I thought it's like, okay, Ted's got his eyes covered. It's like, okay, well, you can't really get real harm if your eye – oh, fuck. He just took, took, his, <laughs> took his eye covers off. Uh-huh. I just was in such a state of stress. Yeah. Watching these allegedly funny scenes, and they were funny. <laughs> yes. But it's like, oh my God, he could lose an eye. <laughs> he could take this into the windpipe. Yeah, I, he very much looked like he was lined up for firing squad. Man. Uh, it was it was not easy and to watch. Then when we find out later on, uh, you know, some of his the backstory that we have not been privy to, it... Uh, yeah. Did you do any research about St. Sebastian? Uh, I just know that he is often pictured with arrows uh, dispersed throughout his body. Um, But also, apparently, St. Sebastian is a popular saint for soldiers. Oh, okay. Which kind of, I thought, was an interesting tie-in to his cousin that uh, has been slain in Vietnam. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, moving on, Don stops at Sylvia's apartment again to press his ear against the door. Uh, Actually, he knocks first, which is a terrible idea, right? I mean, if you're gonna knock, you don't, you don't want a soft knock. Mm Mm-hmm. Because then, what if Arnold comes to the door? Why did you knock so soft? How about the fact that he's in in their service hallway? Yeah, in the back door. That's even worse, And, and like... Again, I was I was so stressed out because it, to me it looked like he was falling asleep propped against that door. Oh, and I no. thought, sure, we're going to cut the commercial uh, and we're going to come back and Arnold's going to open the door and he's going to collapse into the kitchen. <laughs> that would be and terrible. Yes, it would. Holy shit. You think spent cigarettes is bad? Wait until your <laughs> affair just burst into your living room, your, your kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have actually seen Arnold entering Don's apartment. Through that side maintenance door, right? Have we? Yeah, when oh, when Megan and her mom were talking right. that one time, and Don was in the kitchen. You're right. So maybe I'd maybe s- he could pass it off as like, oh yeah, I was just. Well, I was thinking that maybe he would do that, and when when that happened, he'd be like, oh god, I've been working so long. I thought I was at my house, and then I kind of yeah, there like, you go. Yep. I kind of like slumped against the door. Yeah, I mean, I I think Don could talk his way out of it, but mm-hmm. he wasn't very clear eyed. <laughs> Definitely not. Heart empty, eyes cloudy, must fail. (laughs) Uh, So Stan and Peggy are kind of alone in a room, and uh, Stan makes a move, but Peggy shuts him down. Instead, they talk about some of the things that are troubling Stan, uh, about his cousin being killed uh, in Vietnam, and then Peggy doesn't really reveal anything about her loss, but just says that she's had some. Uh, so, did you know this cousin Robbie's the same guy who was in the season five premiere at uh, Don's birthday party? He was the guy in a sailor outfit that uh, oh, Abe really? was, was haranguing about Vietnam okay. politics, and he's like, "I just thought there'd be girls there." Yeah, yeah. I got that. Wow, I, I didn't I, know that. I believe I got that from either uh, Molly at Grantland or uh, Saint Thomas and Saint Lorenzo. 
Saint Sebastian. <laughs> uh, Stan makes a, or sorry, wrong, wrong paragraph there. Sally's reading Rosemary's Baby. Interesting. I didn't look that up, and I have. Never oh, read by the it, way, so. this a lot. Some people said that there was no tie-in to date. We actually had one here, but it, you, you have to kind of put your ears on. Um, he mentioned that his cousin died on March fourth, which is about three, three months, months ago. ago. June 6th with the death of RFK. So this is the first episode in a long time that basically happened almost immediately after. I mean, you you couldn't have been a week that elapsed. Okay. Good to know. Um, Sally's reading Rosemary's Baby when she hears someone snooping around in the house. She goes out in the living room and uh, sees Grandma Ida. Um, She confronts her and is rightly suspicious, but... Grandma convinces her that she's grandma. She's a family friend. Uh, another super stressful scene, man. Yeah. I was so scared. And at first, I wasn't totally sure what to make about this until she set her bag down. Sally, do you not hear the jingling? <laughs> it's a fucking jingle jangle morning. You need to wake up. Well, she's got all those presents in there for her. Oh, presents. And there's no so, presents for somebody. Honestly, yeah. for her age, I thought Sally was pretty damn assertive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, calling the cops, even though the cops didn't exactly handle that in the best manner. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm having a, I'm having a, a new thought here on the podcast. <laughs> it's a first. It's a first. For this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wonder whether the cops really were that indifferent about the situation or whether... Yep. You know, Grandma Ida was just, um, you know, cause basically saying goodbye while the cops were still talking, and then she had to knew she had to clear out. Exactly, that's exactly what I think she did, because she immediately said, "I'm going out for some air." Yeah, and that was it. That was I, I, when I first saw this episode. I wasn't sure if that was the end of the encounter, but then yeah, the second time I watched it, I always watched with the caption, closed captions on, and and they actually made the you know door locking. They actually captioned the fact that Sally hmm. followed her and locked the door. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I at first I thought, oh shit, man, she's threatening them, and she held them hostage for longer. But yeah, this could have gone really bad. Definitely, definitely. Uh, also, what the hell about is it with Mad Men and and was it, was it uncomfortable for you or weird that this was a black lady that was ransacking Don's apartment? No, not particularly. Why? I just feel like that, you know, one of the criticisms Mad Men has is a lack of any kind of, you know, race other than white Anglo-Saxon Protestant with occasional Jews sprinkled here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so you've got Don and Phyllis, um, but the other, the other, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of other black actors in this you've had a guy who stuck up roger and joan you had a guy that was fired being accused of stealing you had mm-hmm. one that was looking kind of on in horror as roger was doing blackface and now we have grandma <laughs> ida yeah yep this is is this uncomfort is 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 wiener deliberately going for this discomfort i see what you're saying so you think maybe that was on purpose well, and yeah, and I read. I think Seppenwall mentioned that this was this was really de- a time of decline in New York. Yeah, like this is where the city became get, getting its its violent reputation. That 
it kind of clawed its way out of in the in the 90s and you know now i've you know new york feels as safe as maybe even safer than downtown indianapolis okay um <laughs> new york feels as safe as detroit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> certainly safer than like gary <laughs> okay well so i know that matt wiener is definitely conscious of that because he I, I read and listened to a couple interviews where he said the 1968 is kind of like one of the landmark years in American history. Sure. Um, as far as violence and um, change and, mm-hmm. and just things being in general disarray. And that's mm-hmm. – I'm sure that certainly plays into it. I mean you have to think of the time. You have to that's, – that's what this show is built on, you know? Right. And I mean if they're – is a reason that this lady was black then so be it that's the time you know and 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 wiener is authentic to the time if nothing else yeah so maybe that is in there for a reason anyway so let's move on don searching the agency archives wait did, did we talk huh? about sally reading rosemary's baby uh, do you want to talk about it well, i mentioned it but what do you so i don't know what is rosemary's glenn gonna about. put his unholy seed inside <laughs> sally Oh, oh, creepy Glenn. Some kind of uh, witchcraft ceremony. God, I hope not. (laughs) Oh, no, no. Maybe Sally is Rosemary's baby. (laughs) (laughs) She came out of Betty after all. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know enough about the story to speak intelligently on it. So I won't speak at all about it. Mm. Sound good? Okay, sure. All right, so I can't, Don- I can't have a conversation with myself. I guess <laughs> maybe the listeners will bail me out. There you go. Uh, Don's searching through the agency archives, uh, and he finds the ad that he's been looking for. It's Granger's oatmeal, and not exactly a soup, but he likes it. Um, we go to a flashback where Amy introduces young Don to the wonders of whoredom. Well, uh, and so we need to say what the the ad said. I guess you know what he needs. Yeah. Um. How creepy is that in light of the fact that he was <laughs> essentially raped by this woman? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's weird. Call it rape. Call it molestation. Call it whatever you want. I mean, it was clearly against. He did not consent and did not seem to. You know, from where we cut away from, it was not particularly enjoying the situ- the, the situation either. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. So what? how does this inform us about Don Draper? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know because it's obviously not what he needed. Um, but it's, it's something he, that was forced upon him. So is that is – that, is that the moral? Is that he doesn't – he's incapable of knowing what he needs because – That could very well be it. You know, he's never gotten what he needs, and he's always been a vessel for what other people want and need. And now that is kind of his role. Like the yeah, reason he likes the beginnings of things is because that's when things are perfect. That's when he is at his most impressive, and that's when the people he's with are the most happy. Yeah. When they find out what a fucking sh- bombed out shell of humanity he is <laughs> and start recoiling in horror, that's when the wheels pop off. Yeah, and if you think about what he does day to day, he's thinking about other people's needs all the time. He's always trying to figure out like what 
what image am I pro- projecting? Is this image the optimal image I can project to make this person like me the most? Yeah. That's exhausting, the oh, way to I, live. I bet it is. That's why he needs amphetamines. <laughs> keep him going. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I'm ready to move on. We've, yeah. We're running long, and we still got plenty to cover. Uh, Grandma Ida's snooping around some more when Bobby wakes up. And she asks him where the watches are, and she goes off to grab them. That's when Sally calls the police. Uh, Ida hears the conversation and convinces the cops that it was a joke, but she leaves anyway just to be safe. I don't think she convinces the cops. I think think you're right, yeah. She's playing that for the kids. Line of the night, Bobby Draper asking, are we Negroes? (laughs) Yeah, hilarious. Just Uh, the idea, because he obviously doesn't understand what that is. No. In any way. Right. And it's just hilarious. Yeah. Shit's the shit that kids say. I'm sure mm-hmm. you know all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go over to Don again at his office. He's typing away on the perfect campaign. Uh, he's excited about it, and he calls Peggy and Ginsburg into his <laughs> office. He pitches them a new twist on advertising that has nothing to do with Chevy. And uh, when he- Peggy leaves Don's office, Jim calls her over to watch Stan and Wendy get it on. Peggy's disgusted, and she goes home. God, so much to say. First of all, yeah. Don is looking very... Uh, shame, vintage Michael Fassbender-y in this in this scene where he's got this fever pitch that he's trying to. What is the movie? Uh, shame. I've never seen it. Oh wow! You, sh- it's well, it's right up the Mad Men alley. Okay. Um. Anyway, he's so he's writing this dream pitch that's really a pitch to get Sylvia back to him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, a pitch that he doesn't think is going to immediately work, if you notice. Really? Like, when he goes back to his house mm-hmm. in in a later scene, mm-hmm. actually in the next scene, yeah. um, he is practicing what he's going to say when she slams the door in his face. Certainly. So he, no, he's... Th- he thinks that the pitch is going to work eventually, but he's got to get over the hurdle of... Well, it's like he's saying, you know, that... Uh... You know, the advertisement is what stuff people, you know, is the price they pay for entertainment. But what if they're tired of the entertainment and they don't want to turn on the TV? Yeah. Like, he's the entertainment she's grown tired of. But mm. he still needs her to listen to his sales pitch. Yeah. Um, Promise them everything, as Ginsburg says. So, a lot of people have, a lot of people have drawn parallels between, um, I'm sorry, what's this guy's, the, the, the anti-Roger Jim Cutler? Jim Cutler and Roger. Yeah. Would Roger watch Stan fuck Sally Draper in two years? I... I kind of... I don't know, man. He might. Really? I just feel like that that Roger wouldn't do that. Maybe it's because I don't want to believe that, but I feel like there's a little yin and yang in this agency... Yeah. Where like Teddy and Don are two halves of the same person, but Teddy's the good half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Teddy's the uh, Clark Kent, and uh, Don is the evil Superman, <laughs> and they're okay. going to fight in a trash compactor eventually. <laughs> um, where Roger is, and 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 uh, uh, goddamn, you just told Jim me Jim Cutler, Jim, Roger, and yeah. Jim are the same person, but but Jim is the scum, skin of evil part. Yeah, uh, that's oh, just, I was gonna say that that's the same. That would be the exact same betrayal. Roger bringing Sally yes. Draper mm-hmm. to the office after Don dies of of lung cancer, or throws himself out a window, and then watches a Stan Rizzo fucks her. 
Yeah. That's when you think Which about it in that weird. frame, it's super creepy. Yeah, so I think Roger would have handled it with he he would have certainly taken in the fact that it was happening, but I don't think he would have perved on it as hard as Jim was. I think he would have looked after her a little bit better. Oh, you think so? He would have intervened? He would Well, have I don't know. And... Roger's pretty fucking la-di-da, but yeah. I don't think... I mean, I think he would probably... I, I, I kind of want to think that he would go over there and punch out Stan. Wow. Um, Maybe. I don't know. So let's talk about Peggy's reaction. Yeah. What she... is on her face? Disgust? Disgust, yes. yes certainly. Sadness? Regret? Oh, regret? You think she didn't give him what he wanted and so he found it elsewhere no. and she's feeling bad? Do you, do you think that... Okay... Does Stan have legitimate feelings for Peggy? I c- clearly, they have a relationship. They went, yeah. you know, they talked to each other all night long. I would say that he he does. Yeah, that was as genuine as I've ever seen. That and has... it's the only reason that Peggy didn't immediately slap the teeth out of his face. Right, and the fact that he, I mean, we see him been smoking dope like a fiend in this office. Yeah, and now he's on the amphetamines, and he's you know trying to. You know, Holland is an extremely easy piece of ass who's also a broken person <laughs> trying to, you know, figure out a way to get kind of, you know, healing and closure. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, I forgot where I was going with this. Do you think Peggy – do you think Peggy has feelings for Stan? And if so, do you think that she was disgusted that she almost let herself get talked into this? Because I, I actually feel like mm, – That could have been her. The, the power of the beard was kind of uh, winning her over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I think feel like she pulled away and said, uh-uh, not because she didn't like it, but because she liked it too much. Yeah. Yeah. She she wasn't about to throw away what she's got with Abe over that. Where does Teddy fit in on this, then? Uh, Teddy? Yeah. Ted's off morning Frank. No, but Ted has got a thing for Peggy, and Peggy also oh, has a thing I for see. him. Uh, I don't know. I'm, we have a, an honest-to-God quadrangle here. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. There's three, at least three dudes involved, though. Yeah. Ted and and uh, Jim and Stan. Plus you throwing. I, I don't know, man. No, Don. <laughs> yeah, get Don. It's a Pentagon. <laughs> Matthew Weiner is blazing new territory in Disgusting. relational geometry. <laughs> no one, no one's tried a Pentagon before. Uh, the other thing that I noticed about this scene, um, when he writes this ad that he doesn't realize is about Sylvia. Um, actually, no, he does. No, he totally it's realizes about, Sylvia. about it. They didn't realize it's about Sylvia. So never mind. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, when, when Don arrives home, he's met with his entire family and the police who tell him that he was robbed while his kids were home alone. And he passes out on his nice white carpet. Yeah. And Betty is back. Oh, she Betty. is bla- She is fully loaded, blasting both barrels, making sure everyone knows that her husband's running for office. Yeah, right. She has got selfish the, Betty. She's got her ice queen crown back, man. Yeah, ugh. Her blonde ice queen. Oh my crown. god, she like she called Megan a whore. She called Don a <laughs> man whore. She, mm-hmm. I think she worked in a jab at Sally that that I didn't actually you know get. Yep. Get yep. get a chance to take notes on. Even Bobby, Bobby got it too. Yeah, but <laughs> Don <laughs> only Gene. On little Gene emerged unscathed. Don couldn't handle it, man. His his nope. uh, brain just fried. Yeah, I mean he's coming down off his amphetamine rush, and uh, that's not something you want to come home to after three mm-hmm. days of no sleep and hard work. Yep. 
Uh, we go to another flashback where Amy is kicked out of the house, but not before letting it slip that she got it on with young Don. And the house mother, his stepmother, beats his ass with a oh, wooden yeah. spoon. Which, you know, is that part of Don's? Right. You know what he needs? Gee, Like, is he internalizing that shame and, and turn disgust for himself? I have no idea. That wouldn't make any sense, would it? Also, <laughs> is this his behavioral pattern where he tries to be the angel and tries to be the good person, but then when he inevitably turns rotten... Uh, he then, blamed. he then tries to push the people that he previously loved away as a defense mechanism. Hmm. Or yeah. does he actually, I mean, this, it all, all of Don's issues are springing from his life in the whorehouse. I mean, there, there is no mistake about that. Well, and it's also like what I said last week where he can see women as women, as mothers and whores. And mm-hmm. like, he loves them as mothers. And then when he sees them displaying whorish behaviors, it, it disgusts him. Yeah. You know, he first fell in love with Megan when she was maternal. Yep. Uh, he became dissatisfied with uh, Bet- Betty. almost did Betsy again. When she turned out to be a horrible mother. And we kind of <laughs> get the idea that Bet- Betty's all, you know, little little sexed up. High yeah. sex drive, which he probably enjoyed. But once she was in that mother mode, she tried to put on sexy stuff. He wasn't having it. Yeah. Once she talked about raping the kids, that was a little too far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, not going there, Betty. But no, I, I feel like that that's with the the this Amy thing that she was in motherly mode, and then he took advantage of her, and then but he still kind of a lot of solid as a mother. But then she drug him in on, into the, the 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 filthy cesspool argument that she's having with the whoremaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just like I said, I I don't know that any of this excuses Don, but what it certainly explains it though. Yeah, like it's just sad that this person is trapped into this as hard as he's tried to escape it, he can't get away from it. Yeah. I'm with you. He, his uh, fundamental way of looking at the world and interacting with women is the root cause of his failure. Yes. And it all stems from his childhood. My Life in the Whorehouse. That's Don's autobiography. Uh, Don wakes up and Megan apologizes for leaving Sally home alone with the kids. Uh, just a quick scene there. And Don is Don is obviously shaken. Um, and completely disconnected from Megan. Yes. None yeah. of these things he's, she's trying to do to soothe him is registering at all. Yeah. And I don't know if this is... So so we, we take it from that right into the next scene where he runs into Sylvia in the elevator. And oh they, they barely speak. Uh, Sylvia asks how he's been. He says, busy. Another ten scene is the whole time because she's kind of looking at him like coyly, yeah. And I'm like, "Don't you fucking do it, God damn it! Don't you you fucking keep your mouth shut? Yep. Do not, do not say anything to this man." And <laughs> she walked out, and I thought, I swear to God, I thought the episode was going to end there. That felt like the perfect way to mm. roll the credits. Yeah, but it kept on going like a freight train. But, but I mean, you look at that where he's so shaken in that last scene with Megan. And then he runs into Sylvia, and he doesn't say anything. He's not – he doesn't seem to be running this pitch that he had been working up in his head, well, right? he's no longer high. I mean, that, that thing that's, that's a part kid of it sobered certainly, him but up, is right? He, is he over not, – not completely over Sylvia, but is he learning more about himself and understanding why he's so hung up on this and maybe that he doesn't need it as much as he thinks? I don't know. He needs I, – I, I feel like some Peggy's in this picture somewhere. Yeah. Okay. I can buy that. 
Uh, I I really like this elevator scene because it had balls to it. Like, what other show has the balls to show an entire elevator ride, seventeen floors, with almost a like minute, two words with just expressions on the face? Yeah, yeah. almost no other show. It reminds me of some of the best stuff in Breaking Bad, actually, where they just do everything in silence mm. and let the let the the facial expressions. I think say it that's all. a that's a slight to Mad Men. What? Now, don't get me wrong. I love season Breaking four, ba- episode one. I love Breaking Bad. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. So if you want to compare, yeah, if you All want right. to compare one of the kind of like toss off moments of this episode of Mad Men with a set piece of Breaking Bad, sure. Get out of here. Breaking Bad's so good. You're out of your mind. It is good. I'm not taking I... anything away from from <laughs> Matt, from Breaking Bad. I'm just saying Mad Men is in another league, in my opinion. All right. All right. It's the a it's a plus drama, and and Breaking Bad is a. All right. Let's move on. Running long. Don calls Sally to let her know that he's okay and to tell her that she did everything right in that situation. And Sally also says that she knew the uh, – she says the burglar knew as much about Don as Sally does, but that's not much. How would you like the Sally, I left the door open? What? I mean him saying I love you to his daughter – I feel like him – Don saying I love you, getting him to say that is as hard as getting the Fonz <laughs> to say I'm sorry or I'm wrong. <laughs> he can't do it. I mean, did you get the fact that no. he was building to a, a Sally, I love you moment? No, I didn't. Really? Uh-uh. That's because you, too, were not loved as a child. That could, could be it. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Ted berates Don for the terrible work that he's done over the weekend and Jim for letting Wendy get fucked by Stan. Uh, Don tells Ted that he's not going to spend any more time on Chevy until one of their campaigns is accepted. Or uh, until they're ready to make it, like in set 1970. Yeah, yeah, until they're actually ready to... Which is odd that they gave them a calendar which basically said you're going to work in futility for two and a half years. Yeah, that seems strange. Don Don seems to think that an idea could change that, though. Right. If they have a good enough idea, maybe. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. What do you think of the end song played out, talking about a words won't win a girl's heart anymore, you got to take her somewhere she hasn't been before? Yeah, to hell. I don't know. (laughs) is Is that foreshadowing that we haven't seen the last of Sylvia? Ooh, because that's uh, basically is that Don's realization that he can't win a girl's heart with words. Hmm. And if so, what the hell is his next attempt? I don't know, man. I don't know. I hadn't thought about it because I didn't hear the song. Uh, so, so predictions. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think Sylvia is got her interest in Don renewed because he's now playing <laughs> hard to get? And do you think I Don is legitimately not. playing hard to get? Uh, I think he's more uh, – he's not necessarily playing hard to get, even though that's my, that might be how it comes off. Uh, I think he's just wising up a little bit. And also – I hope he's wising so, so up. So I'm almost convinced that Megan's going to find out about this affair. Yeah. I mean all the foreshadowing with Sylvia saying about the – you know, this echoed the mutual assured destruction comment that Ken made. It's like, surely your father-in-law, you, you know, this isn't going to happen because the mutual sure destruction. Well, Ken was dead fucking wrong. Yeah. So Sylvia talking about, you know, we can't let this, we got to trust each other because we can't let this go out. If it's a parallel of that, then this is going to blow up in Don's face. But I'm having trouble plotting here to there from where we left it at the end of the episode. Yeah. <clears throat> I could certainly have seen it at the beginning of the episode. 
But the end is a little different. But the way that Linda, what's her name, Cardinelli? Cardellini, I think. The way she was playing Sylvia in the elevator, she was very intrigued with Dawn again. Yeah, you're right. Uh, That has me worried for Dawn. Mm. That's it, man. Is he going to kill her and stuff her under his bed? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Like his dream? Yeah. Uh, I hope not. I don't know. I'm just wondering if we'll see Roger again. Uh, Where'd Roger go, man? Well, apparently... uh, he the, took a shot with a heart problem and well, left. They they had a little a, a side comment in the episode about him and Jim, or was it Ed? I think he said it's like they're complaining of heart trouble and they left for the hospital, but they were both uh, laughing hysterically about it. Do you think we're going to come back and Roger's dead? <laughs> oh, Roger's dead. I don't think so because wasn't he on the uh, next time on? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, that could be a flashback. Oh my God! He's had gray hair since he was 16 years old. I could have, <laughs> I could have been 20 year old Roger. Yep. <laughs> All right, that's it. You want to do some pimping and then some feedback? Uh, I suppose I could do that. Uh, we are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all our content at baldmove.com, including our full coverage of The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, latest season of Mad Men, Justified, Breaking Bad, Downton Abbey, courtesy of Tom and Kelly. Who are currently tearing up another series? Uh, was it Mr. Selfridge? Yeah. Um, so if you're all about uh, anything Britannia, check them out. Uh, also, our affiliates, the Personal Arrogance Crew out of Seattle. Uh, you know, they're our best buds. We're probably going to go spend the week with them for PAX Prime in Seattle. Uh, we think the world of them. They are totally awesome. Eric's actually running in a, uh, a sports podcast, the Sea Dog Press Box, if you like uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, give them a check out. They talk about beer, board games, geek topics. I'm sure they're going to be all over the Xbox coverage uh, that just came out today. Uh, mm-hmm. Check them out on at baldmove.com. And also, uh, the Because Show, um, they are on a summer hiatus currently. So they won't have a new episode for probably the next three or four weeks at least. We'll let you know when they're back on the air. Verandas and Vino. That was the latest episode? No, (laughs) that's what they're up to. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, We always appreciate reviews and ratings on iTunes. It's the single biggest thing you can do to drive traffic to our cast. So if you got iTunes installed and you're subscribed to us, give us a couple of clicky clicks of the stars and the the words. We appreciate it. If you want to monetarily support us, you can use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com or click on the orange banner at the top. You know how this works, people. You buy shit on Amazon, we take a teeny cut of Amazon. We steal it from them, essentially. And that's how we pay for bandwidth and uh, keep the lights on and Jim and Johnny Walker Black. Uh, Also, you got some uh, iTunes referral business going on on our front page. If you're wanting to buy something off iTunes, uh, search for it on our our front page with our handy little uh, iTunes plug-in, and we will get a little credit and steal some from uh, Jeff Bezos – or not Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Steve <laughs> yeah, Jobs Trust Fund. Too. We're going to steal it out of uh, his trust fund. little thing to note there. It's only for television shows and movies. Oh, so. right in our wheelhouse. Yes. Yeah. And tell a friend. If you like, uh, got a friend that's into Mad Men or other quality television or just awesome podcasts in general, we would like to have them in our bald move army, our barmy. <laughs> Bald army. Wow. <laughs> Ready for feedback? Sure. 
All right, Lise K starts us off saying, I think Don is acting out a power trip with Sylvia because he's lost power in the office. Domestic violence is about control, and Don feels he's lost control at SCDP CGC. Yeah, so this is uh, obviously in reference last to last week. episode. Yep. yep. Yeah, could be. I like it. Uh, moving on to... Oh, shoot, I just scrolled too far. Shano. Shiano. In sticking with the theme of Dante's Inferno throughout the season, I perceive Sylvia being locked in the hotel room as her limbo. In the Inferno, the first circle of hell is limbo. According to Wikipedia, limbo of the patriarchs is seen as a temporary state of those who, in spite of personal sins they may have committed, died in the friendship of God, but could not enter heaven until redemption by Jesus Christ made it possible. Maybe a little bit of a stretch, but Sylvia may have been an, uh, may have been able to enter into heaven or a peaceful state of being when she left the limbo of Don's hotel room. The overt crucifixes that are occasionally seen when Don and Sylvia are about to get it on can show that she is still in the friendship of God, even though she's having an affair. Christina S. Well, you have a response to that, Jim? No, no, I like it though. Christina S. said, just want to share the not so significant, but kind of interesting source of Burt Cooper's choice in artwork. It's called the dream of the fisherman's wife. So this is in reference to the octopus rape I've been talking about. Yeah, the tentacle porn. Um, Japanese tentacle porn up on his wall. <laughs> uh, Dream of the Fisherman's Wife, where yet you can you can see Doctopus going to town on the uh, Fisherman's Wife's Yanger or Yinner, whatever, <laughs> and, and has actually been probably known to Japanese as both, uh, and has actually recently been written and performed as a play. No fucking, <laughs> there's a link here, Jim. Yeah. Should I click on it later or save it for? Nah, click on it later. Click on it now or cl- save it for later. Save it for later. Thank you for that, uh, Christina S. Won't be able to go back to Playboy now. Edwin C. says, Hey, guys, I've been listening to your comments on Pete's gun and how you might use it to shoot up the office, but what if Pete's redemption, this is Pete's redemption, and he shoots an employee that was fired due to the merger who comes to shoot up the office? Another scenario could be him looking at the gun, contemplating suicide, and a possible shooting happens, and he saves the day. Just a few of my theories. Um, my problem is that wouldn't require Pete to be heroic and that has <laughs> never happened in the history of Mad Men. So. I was going to respond in almost the same way. <laughs> Pete is a terrible person. I don't think he would do any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, although he really took it to Harry when yeah. he saw him being a little racist. There, the enemy so. of my enemy is my ally. Gotta Who say knows? Mary D says Peggy doesn't say she bought an apartment. She said twice that she bought a building. Yeah. She could have easily afford to run down small apartment building in that neighborhood for what she's willing to pay for a nice apartment with a balcony and a doorman resting on the east side. Why didn't we get that, Jim? Because that would also explain know. why she felt like she could have the drug addict shitting in her hallway yeah. evicted. Yeah, yeah. I, and also, I why wouldn't it. Stan be down with that? Abe? Yes. Oh, my God. Freudian flip. Imagine that slip Stan up. Stan wouldn't. He'd take the exacto knife and be flinging him. <laughs> you shit in his hallway, he cuts up your arm, bitch. <laughs> That's what happens. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't pick that up, but they're absolutely right. Stephanie L. also wrote in about that. So, In fact, uh, yeah, she mentioned she bought the building she's living in. Near the beginning of the episode of The Man with a Plan, when Joan is showing Peggy your office and asks about Abe, Peggy tells Joan, we bought a building together to live in. It's when Abe... Uh, Peggy told Abe that they had to get rid of the drug addict upstairs. I think she's talking as a landlord. Uh, an earlier listener feedback has mentioned that Peggy brought the apartment building for tax reasons. Also, in an earlier episode, Peggy alluded to having tax issues to deal with. 
I am a certified public accountant, so this was near and dear to my heart. I've only been doing taxes since the mid-80s, but I know the tax rates in the late 60s were basically double what they are today. Someone who rents doesn't have many tax write-offs compared to property owners. If Peggy really wants to save some dough, she should marry Abe. The way the tax brackets work, a high earner will save a good chunk of change if their spouse is a low earner. There you go. Can't wait for gay marriage to come to Indiana. Me and Jim can tie the knot and just make out like bandits. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> Joseph V says, "Well, I mean, the tax accountant is telling us that's a smart move to make, Jim." Uh, you, okay, so Stephen, are you saying Stephanie L's full of shit? No, I'm saying they're going to have to legalize marijuana first. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Joseph V says, my two favorite shows being brought together, Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Maybe the true Heisenberg is Burt Cooper? Oh, God. What? Joseph V, the Joseph Strikes Back, continues, don't know how I feel about the episode yet. However, I wanted to give some feedback on the Vega. My father sold these things back in the early 70s, and he said they were overhyped junk. <laughs> he said they were such rust buckets that even showroom models would have rust spots on the lower panels. God damn. Yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. <laughs> you can't get one on a showroom floor looking nice. That's some sorry shit. Regardless, they sold well for a time because of the hype. However, the ads just seemed to be about how small the car was. The ad on Ted's desk at the end of the episode says, make their first big step a little one. Of all the ads for the Vega from that era, took the same similar stance. I guess anyone can sell a Corvette. It takes skill and a shitload of amphetamines. To sell compacts in the era of kick-ass muscle cars. Yeah, and wasn't at this time, because we saw Honda from you know a couple seasons back, weren't they starting to make inroads with the smaller, more fuel-efficient cars? Yeah, I think so. And you know they also rusted out like no other, so Chevy thought they had to keep that <laughs> arms race in balance. <laughs> uh, David C. says, this blog, he links uh, to something from visiblemeasures.com. Uh, talks about the real Fleischmann's margarine ad campaign. They made claims of health benefits that cannot be backed up. They are busted by the FTC and never had a large ad presence since then. Hmm. wonder what claims they were making. <laughs> I don't know. Just one stick of margarine up the ass a day. <laughs> the same claims that Dr. Feelgood was making. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're basically they're monohydrogen-saturated uh, mono fat with a mild stimulant. <laughs> Uh, Rachel H says, I listened to Terry Gross interviewing Matt Weiner. I really feel like he cleared some things. Oh my God, Rachel, you fell for the okie doke. <laughs> yeah. Matthew Weiner can- tells heap big lies in every fucking interview. He's a master <laughs> disinformation. Uh, save that interview and listen to it next year after you've seen his full season and watch what gaping giant lies he tells poor <laughs> Terry Gross. Anyway, continuing. I feel like you really cleared some things up, some questions that people had about the first few episodes of the season and even some future plans in the vaguest possible ways, of course. I think one of the things he said really surprised me but also clarified the entire situation is that for Don, he was only committed to Megan when she was his idolized version of a wife. And the moment she started cheating on him by having opinions and getting an acting job, it was the end of everything, a huge loss for him. He actually said that Don is at his lowest point this season, literally, literally going to hell, and it's up in the air as to whether or not he can find his way out. All right, Wiener, I'll give you that. That sounds legit. I'll just <laughs> also remind you, this is the same guy who said in an interview at the end of last season that the final shot of John, Don was not a cliffhanger about his infidelity. Man's and then he came shit. back cheating. Exactly. Yep. Uh, Wiener also said that at the end of the season, he will have really painted himself into a corner. 
that he was encouraged to not save any stories for the final season and instead to use everything. We'll see if it was good advice or not. Worryingly, he told Terry, you know the show is going to end on an ambiguous note, he says. My God, people must be prepared for that. I don't want a Soprano-style what at the end of Mad Men. Terry floated the idea that Don would either die or shed his Draper identity, and Wiener didn't really respond one way or another. Mild surprise, anyone? Nope, not surprised. Well, she's that's a game, that's a Night's Watch reference number one. What? Sorry, it's it's, it's a Mad Brunei thing. It's uh, you wouldn't get it. No, uh, I wouldn't get it. But you know, Matthew Weiner is one of the Sopranos disciples. I feel like we're definitely heading down that road, and that we should, especially now that emotionally it, prepare. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Um, Josh P says, "Is it me, or does Pete look more like Mr. Burns with every episode?" <laughs> a greedy, rich, lonely old man. Yep, sounds like Pete's future to me. Wow, hard to argue with, though. Yeah, receding hairline and all. Mm-hmm. Nick G says, here's some things I noticed about last episode, mommy issues. The entire episode is about Don trying to get Sylvia back and exploring why it's so important to him that he does. The people from Chevy don't, won't speak to Don face to face and neither will Sylvia. When he discusses trying to get Chevy's attention, it seems like he's really talking about Sylvia as exemplified when he says to his staff, in my heart, I know we really cannot be defeated because there is no, an- there is an answer that will open the door. There is a way around the system. This is a test of our patience and commitment. One great idea can win someone over. Hmm. Don's self-destructive obsession with trying to get Sylvia to speak to him snowballs until he walks into his home. The way his family is arranged, it looks just like an intervention. Ooh, good. Which is basically has the same effect as an intervention. Don seems to realize that his selfishness could have cost him the lives of his children. After a weekend of just trying to get some face time with Sylvia, when he finally sees her, he keeps to himself. Has Don finally realized what an asshole he is? <laughs> That's a good point. That especially when you realize he's just been in the office fucking around about Sylvia, the fact that he wasn't home with his children is horrifying. Yeah, or even helping out the people he's working with. Yeah. Uh the flashback explained the origins of Don's relationship to women all following a similar pattern. Uh, we've tread this ground. It seems like he finally comes to some sort of understanding of his neurosis while looking at a soup ad, <clears throat> oatmeal ad, where the relationship between the sexy mom and the kids seems to be equally maternal and carnal. Creepy. Also, <laughs> the woman in the ad, the blonde prostitute, uh, Amy and Sylvia all have moles in the same place, and they all had headscarves at one point or another. Oh, Ken confuses his girlfriend and his mother when explaining where he learned to tap dance. It seems like most of the staff have no fathers and bad relationships with their mothers. We've seen Joan, Pete, Peggy, and Don all fight with their mothers. Solid. When the burglar claims to be Don's mother, that seems to mean something. I'm not sure what exactly. There are points where even though she's obviously burgling the house, I find myself wondering if she actually had taken part in raising Don Draper. Yeah, man, I was so weirded out by this episode. I was totally on board. One of the persons in the um, live threads we have on Facebook suggested that she has some kind of dirt on Don Draper Mm -hmm. and looking for the watch as a corroborating evidence. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) I totally gloss over the fact that she's an obvious con artist. Yeah, I think that when Don says the agency turns into a whorehouse when they have a car, he isn't talking just about the literal events that took place with Joan and Ken being mistreated or the drugs and sex that happened over the weekend. I think he's talking about him whoring his own personal feelings to try to make commercials. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of how <laughs> I can say about that. No, I'm this. Is, <laughs> so the, the drawback of me reading these uh, cold is that I'm reading them cold. Yeah. And yeah. when Nick uh, has a non sequitur at the end, like the final song is by the mamas and the papas. It just, my brain goes, <laughs> locks up. Sure, sure. I pull well, it on I, and I just collapse see, on the floor. I can see what's happened here because as we continue to read his email, the thoughts get thinner and thinner here <laughs> until oh, we yeah? get to the Dante's Inferno, where he's not even bothering to write out full thoughts. <laughs> the he man just said, tuckered himself out. This was a marathon of an email. I, hey, I'm not saying the first half of this email is spectacular. The end are just bullet points from a <laughs> madman. Exactly. Dante's Inferno. Chevy staff members look like demons in opening scene where they're tormenting Ken Cosgrove. Stan has 666 ideas. Susie Draper is reading Dante's Inferno. <laughs> and that's it. That's but she's not. It's Sally Draper, and she's <laughs> and she's reading Rosemary's Baby. Right. This is where he took Nick, his vitamins. Nick, are you vitamins. fucking with me? This is where he got the vitamins. Yeah, he had a mild yeah. stimulant in his system, uh, right around here. <laughs> um, let's see, James. Quick question, but maybe an important one. Would you say Don was molested by the prostitute? Yes. Molested, raped. Uh, Taken advantage of by a person in a position of power. All those things. Yes, all the above. Tom G says, I don't know if you know Jeff Garland's podcast, but he just had Matthew Weiner on it. I'm not aware of any podcast outside the Bald Move Empire. Thank you very much. (laughs) They don't get into the show in too much depth, but it's still worth checking out for Mad Men fans. It's a live interview in front of an audience. A fan asks if he knows what the ending will be in Weiner. Says he's decided on an ending during the middle of last season and that, that there is an ending. He also said it's not like Don's going to die or anything like that, but there is an end destination for the show. I don't lies. trust him further than I can throw him. No, lies. Don't believe it. And him. he is not a stick of a man. At MTW6NNJ, I read a lot of complaints this week about Dick Whitman's flashbacks by showing the way that Don slash Dick lost his B card. I thought these flashbacks added more than previous ones and were necessary to tell his full story. Totally agree. How could anybody complain about these flashbacks? I don't know. I feel like... I feel like... Because Seppenwall and and, uh, Dan have been pretty hard on the show this year. And I don't know whether... It's because I enjoyed the first couple seasons as a casual fan, and I've only recently started really in-depth analyzing it. But mm. I, some of the shit that they say is like damning fine cuisine for being there too much of it. Hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like, what the hell? You know? I, I don't know. Um, anyway, what I really liked about the way we, uh, Weiner uh, backed it all up with a few obscure references in the episode... While trying to come up with a pitch for the Chevy, Stan mentioned Edgar Allan Poe's poem, Annabelle Lee, and Peggy references William Wordsmith, My Heart Leaps Up. We talked about that. It's actually a multifaceted reference with that as the end point. He goes on to say, in Poe's Annabelle Lee, the character in the poem literally sleeps in a tomb of his childhood lover. Wow. Creepy. The poem is about a man who has entombed himself in the tragedy of a childhood love and can never move past it. Don is likewise haunted by and unable to move past the loss of his virginity. Or rather, by the way he lost it. Not only was he molested by a whore, he was beaten with a wooden spoon by a stepmom because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's dark. That'll do it. Uh, for Woodsworth poem, I found this. The poem concludes by noting how his childhood has shaped his current of views and stating that a child is the father of the man. 
That's the exact line used by Peggy. Again, this is, illustrates how Don's view of women is shaped during these tragic childhood events. He is trapped in the nightmare of his awful childhood and seems unable to change, particularly when it comes to women. These may have been obvious themes, but I also think Wiener and company are brilliant for the symbols and metaphors they use. You know, also, you recall Roger bragging about um, the... Wasn't it like some kind of nanny or house cleaner that he used to play with as a teenager? I feel like the play that with? Came, yeah, that came out during like the episode where he was writing his memoirs. Mm, yeah, you might be right. And what must that? What must Don think about that? <laughs> yeah, you know Roger's experience versus his. No, well, the way that Roger views his experience. Well, I mean, as opposed to yeah, Don's. I believe it's possible. For a 14-year-old to have sex with a grown woman and not feel victimized. Mm-hmm. But clearly this is not – I mean I don't want to – I'm not going to quibble with people if they're going to say that. Um, but clearly Dick Whitman was not presented such. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these may have been obvious themes, but I still think Weiner and company are brilliant for the symbols and metaphors they, they use. Totally agree. Christopher F. says in 68 was the year the country was seemingly having a nervous breakdown, a collapse of the established order – our policy in Vietnam had failed. Assassinations, riots in U.S., as well as Paris in the Prague Spring, violence at the Democratic National Convention, LBJ's failed presidency. Did Don Draper's world come apart as the floor rushed up to meet him just as America seemingly descended into the rings of hell? There are so many references to hell this season, but is it Draper's internal hell or the hell of Vietnam? Crash pads on St. Mark's Place and two assassinations. In the end... The country elects Nixon and becomes more conservative in the long run. Does Don simply get back to business after a wild ride of the season? Um, did you read Tom and Lorenzo's take this week, Jim? No, I did not. They had, I thought it was interesting, um, kind of a sum, summation of it, uh, where they talked about um, that the thesis of this show perhaps is that in the 60s, the late 60s were a brief insane period where society lost its bearing and people took the moment to break out of their own routines before immediately retreating back to conformity. That seems to be <laughs> kind of the gist of uh, the email yeah. we just we just read, and I, I thought that was an interesting thesis. If that's the what Weiner's trying to say here. Um, moving on, what do you think about Don? Is he going to get back in the saddle after this season? Or it Ooh. sounds like if we're believing the Weiner, no. Yeah, I I don't think so, man. I think he's fundamentally broken and probably can't change. Margot says, I finally come down from my Saturday Sunday night Mad Men rush. She's had 24 to 72 hours of focused <laughs> creativity and confidence. And she writes the email thusly. Mad Men is exactly like speed. It seems like a fun idea at the beginning, but just like speed, it leaves you depressed, anxious, and mentally exhausted. <laughs> Also, like speed, as soon as Mad Men is over, you're craving more. Indeed. Something has been nagging my subconscious since Sunday, and this afternoon it hit me. Where the hell is Roger? Quack doctor yep. doped up a man that has a heart condition with a mild stimulant, and then we don't see him again. They said Roger left to take Ed to the hospital, but we see Ed later, but Roger never comes back. Oh, we do see Ed later? Who the hell is Ed? A good question. Mr. Ed, I think. Are you sure it's not he Ed? Rode... It's Ed Cutler, not Jim Cutler. Is it? No, it's Jim Cutler. Well, who the hell is Ed? I don't know who Ed is. Jesus Christ! Why don't you <laughs> I'll look Google it up. that? Yeah, yes, yeah. thank you. Because I did not. Because it's not Ed Baxter. 
Ed Baxter's. Uh, uh, no, the, the, it can't be the, the Dow, Dow guy? guy. Yeah, maybe he stopped by to get fixed up too. <laughs> no, it's not Ed Baxter. That brings all the boys to the yard. Uh, I am so edgy and worried that Rogers had a lightning fast coronary and is dead in some hospital morgue, his office, or home alone. Frank G's death fell felt underwhelming. Hardly anyone seems to feel real sorry except for Ted. Uh, even Ted's grief and he cannot be replaced line felt a little artificial. That's an interesting take. Um, I didn't think that at the beginning, but seeing his reaction when he finally came back, it does seem like he just put all that behind him. It's always felt that Roger's deepest fear that he is. Wait, I can't find the Ed that she's talking about. Okay. But that's, that's what they did say. I put that in my notes very clearly. Um, it's always been Roger's deepest fear that he has made no impression. Uh, come on, Jim. I need some reassurance that Roger is fine, and this is all my paranoid imagination. No, I can you reassure. This? I can't reassure you because we didn't see Roger for the rest of the episode. Well, we know he has a heart problem. They mentioned it in this episode. I think it's bad news for Roger. Oh, man, I know it's sad, but is is Cutler's first name Jim? Can you at least determine that? Yeah, it's a hundred percent Jim Cutler. I okay. know that for a fact. Maybe Ed Baxter did stop by. <laughs> They cut off someone's dude's foot with a lawnmower, and they went on the hospital. Oh, uh, God. They're dropping napalm outside SCDP. <laughs> Speaking of imaginary happenings, do you feel – do you think that Kenny's soft shoe was a delusion? A person does not need to have huh. Don Draper's level of insight to see Kenny as feeling desperate and degraded by whoring himself out to Chevy. I think what gives him the dance number away as part of Don's fever dream is when Kenny can't remember who taught him to dance, his mother or his first girlfriend. Who else has a history other than Don that would have trouble keeping those relationships straight? Man. Interesting. I, I like that, but that's a totally non-falsifiable theory. Sure, sure. Um, and I think the mother-girlfriend thing can go another way as well that we every, talked about. Yeah, and every other instance where Don's had a, 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 um, a delusion or, or suffered from a mental delusion, we have gotten the key to figure it out later on. Yeah. Like something roots us to the Like that dream fa- where he choked uh what's her face. Yeah, or the fact that we, you know, jumped ahead twenty four hours or jumped ahead yeah. six hours. I mean, they always give us something, you know, some cue to let us know that something hinky has happened. He he plays it pretty straight. I I admire that about him. Um three cheers to Sally for keeping her cool and not panicking during a surreal and menacing home invasion. God it was. Yep. I thought she was gonna get hurt. Clearly having such terrible parents has taught her some impressive self-reliance skills. <laughs> Sally can't rely on Don or Betty and has become an adult in her family. Yeah, uh, it would be funny if she said to Grandma Ida, it's like, you know, do your worst. <laughs> you you want to try to shame me? You want to try to beat me? Yeah. I've already had it all. No kidding. Uh, favorite scene of the night, Ginsburg asking who's next while Stan is standing there, the bloody exacting knife still sticking out of his arm. Yep. Awesome. And that's the last email. That's it. All right. Well, we did it in record time, I think. Did we? Uh, yeah, we're, we're doing pretty good. Uh, you got an outro that you want to do? Not really, but I can wing it. <laughs> okay, you probably have to do an outro, though, for the podcast and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you can send us an email at madmen at baldmove.com. Sure you can. Uh, you can follow me at facebook.com slash baldmove and join... Your fellow fans for a weekly live thread that we have a great time. It typically gets hundreds of comments and uh, a good time is had. We got jokes, we got insight, 
You got a little bit of everything going on there. Um, you can also follow Jim on his live tweets at Bald Move. And that's it, right? That's yeah. What I usually get up to in my uh, closing segment. Yeah, that's it. We don't have spoilers in this show because of Weiner. <laughs> right. No spoilers. Uh, we, we have, have... His lies and disinformation we could discuss, but I think we've already done that. We have. Uh, we have another episode coming up next week. Shocking. Uh, I, I know some shows, some shows that are unnamed like to skip weeks. And Game of Thrones. But uh, not Mad Men. Mad Men will be back next week, and so will we. And until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Bye-bye.